Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. And yes, indeed, the Weekend Report is on your radio. We appreciate you tremendously for tuning into it. My name is Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman, who is filling in for Frank this week. And, of course, my partner, my co-host, my right-hand man, my better half. Lover. Well, (laughs) that may be... That I just want to know how much are each one of those adjectives costing me? Chris Arps is, <laughs> of course, once again uh, joining us from the comfort of his home there in the Arps compound as we continue to practice proper social distancing here at the Weekend Report. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I just want to know how how much is going to each one of those adjectives are going to cost me. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out down the road, won't we? Okay. So, yeah, I know. I know. I'm just waiting for the bill. We've got a packed show today. Normally, we start the show with uh, what we call the weekend review, where Chris and I go back and look at some of the big headlines of the week and kind of break them down. And we're going to do that, but we're just going to go a little bit out of order today. Um, in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Missouri State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick. Of course, the uh, idea of Medicaid expansion in the state of Missouri has been an issue that it's it's kind of, um, there's there's a real dichotomy with this issue because on one hand, it's gotten completely... Um, ignored because of all of the other things happening in this crazy news cycle. You know, even here in St. Louis with things like the McCloskey situation and Kim Gardner, um, you know, attached to that, but also her election and just other things happening here locally, you know, just dominate headlines. Of course, everything that Trump does on a national level (laughs) dominates headlines. So we haven't had a chance to talk about Medicaid expansion as much as I think we probably should have. But it is kind of in everybody's face because every time I turn on the television or watch a YouTube video, I see another commercial endorsing Medicaid expansion in the state. So we're going to talk to the treasurer here in just a moment about that. We're also going to talk to our friend Dr. Randy Tobler, who's putting a little overtime on this Saturday. Of course, the Randy Tobler Show airs every Saturday morning here on 97.1 FM Talk. And... um, The doc, I think, has an opposing view. So we're going to actually get both sides of this story, uh, both sides of this issue. We're also a little bit later in the show going to talk to 
former St. Louis Cardinal Dimitri Young. He has a new podcast, and we're going to talk to him about that, and we're also going to talk to him about uh, the state of baseball right uh, now. No games till yeah, Sunday. He's a longtime major leaguer, obviously former St. Louis Cardinal, and looking forward to getting Dimitri Young's thoughts on that. And we'll play another, a brand new edition of the Weird News Challenge a little bit later on as well. So we have got a packed show Let's dive right in right now. As I've mentioned, joining us here at the beginning of the show is Missouri State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick. Mr. Treasurer, thank you so much for your time today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great. Doing great. So before we get into the issue of Medicaid expansion, I just wanted to ask you, you know, in this crazy world, I just mentioned the, the news cycle and how insane it has been, you know, throughout 2020. What's it like in a in a unique year and a crazy year like this just trying to focus on doing the business of the people what's 2020 been like uh for you there at the capitol well it's certainly been unusual uh for for a lot of reasons obviously the legislative session was cut short and then compacted into a uh, a much uh, uh, well it got cut off in the middle and then uh, they came back at the end and tried to pack a lot of a lot of things into a very short amount of time, so that was that was interesting in terms of the legislative action, uh, and then just on the you know the executive branch side of, of kind of working together to run the you know run the offices of the of the government. Everybody's had to pitch in more with everything that's going on with the coronavirus and uh, the CARES Act and the additional uh, kind of work that that created for my office as well as the governor's office, and so. It's just been kind of you know everything that you normally do, and then you throw throw a bunch of stuff on top of that with the with the coronavirus, and everybody's been staying very busy and and has been working very hard. And as I mentioned, Medicaid expansion—that's the reason we're having you on today. It's it's been everywhere as far as commercials, you know, agenda out there trying to push one side or the other. But I don't think very many people have had a chance to really hear the details of what this plan would mean and how it would affect the people of Missouri. Uh, like I said, we're going to have our friend Dr. Randy Tobler, who's maybe the most, if not one of the most conservative people I know. He's also obviously a medical doctor, however, and I was shocked to hear that he's uh, on the other side of most conservatives on this issue, and we're going to get his opinion on it here in a few minutes. But I wanted to have the treasurer on to get uh, to get this side as well, uh, Mr. Treasurer. Could you explain what what the people need to know about Medicaid expansion and why you feel like maybe it's not the thing for Missouri? Absolutely. Well, first I want to say that I completely understand you know the perspective of uh, of Dr. Tobler and other healthcare professionals that are in the business of you know of of uh, you know he's a CEO of a hospital and and so I understand why they want this to pass. You know, it is. Uh, you know, it will uh, be additional money that that they will get to collect from the government. Uh, but what I think what you what you have to remember is the advertisements are being paid for by the hospitals. Okay, that's mm. so all these uh, all the advertisements people are seeing on television and social media uh, that are promoting this uh, are funded by primarily these larger hospital systems that want to see Medicaid expansion passed. But I think it's important to understand what we would be voting on you know medicaid is a program that was designed to cover the most vulnerable people in our population and the state of missouri that's exactly what that program does currently it's designed for children if you're a family of that has children in your family 
and you're making less than 300% of the poverty level, your kids can get on Medicaid. So if they don't have access to health insurance some some other way through your employer, you can actually get your kids on Medicaid. And just for a point of reference, to a family of four, 300% of the federal poverty level is about $76,000. So if you're making less than 76000 in a family of four, your kids can get on Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Same thing for pregnant women. If you're a pregnant woman, need prenatal care. Uh, if you're making less than 300% of the federal poverty level, you can get on Medicaid in the state of Missouri. And then we also have uh, eligibility uh, for people that are disabled, uh, blind, or elderly people. So those are the populations that can currently get on Medicaid in the state of Missouri. Most of the people that would access the health care if we were to expand Medicaid are going to be able-bodied working-aged adults. And so uh, what you have to remember about that is uh, we're talking about going up to basically 138% of the federal poverty level. Well, that's about $17,800. So even the proponents of Medicaid expansion say it's for people making less than $18,000 per year. Well, in Missouri, minimum wage is about nine, it's nine forty-five an hour. It's going to go up to ten fifteen an hour in January. So anybody who's working 40 hours a week, even at a minimum, at a minimum wage job, will be making too much money uh, to qualify for Medicaid, even under this expansion, uh, depending on the size of their household. But that's largely going to be the case. If you've got a three-person household with two people working minimum wage jobs in it, those people will make too much to qualify for Medicaid. So what we're really going to be asking people to do here is if it passes, it's going to be people who are going to work 40 hours a week making minimum wage are going to be paying taxes to fund health care uh, for people who are choosing not to go to work 40 hours a week. And again, these are the population we're talking about here are able-bodied, so they're physically able to work, and they're working age uh, adults. And so for me, as a, you know, as a societal kind of question, I don't think it's a, a fair thing to ask people who are going to work 40 hours a week, make a minimum wage to pay taxes to fund health care, which, by the way, has no premium. Nobody, these people don't have to pay premiums. They don't have a deductible. There's no copay, no coinsurance, no out-of-pocket costs whatsoever. I just don't think it's right to ask them to do that. So that's kind of the moral side of the argument. Mr. Treasurer, Chris Arps, I have a policy and a political question. On the policy end, where, and I think you may have answered it, where does the extra money come from to pay for the expansion of Medicare? Mm -hmm. Is this part of Obamacare where the government was giving states uh, temporarily money, or is this a tax increase that you alluded to? And the political question, the Democrats are very good at talking about compassion, and that's how they get a lot of their agenda passed. How do you combat that uh, when you, when you are as opposed to Medicaid expansion and they consist of that as you know throwing the poor out in the cold and not caring about people? So on the financial side, this is part of Obamacare. This was passed as part of the Affordable Care Act when uh, President Obama was the president, obviously, and uh, you know initially it was required that all states expanded Medicaid as part of the uh, of Obamacare. The courts ruled that the federal government could not force the states to do that. So it became a state-by-state decision. And you're right. Initially, the federal government was paying 100% of the cost. Uh, but the states now have been responsible for 10% of that cost for several years. And so when we adopt it, if we adopt it, uh, it will, we will be responsible for 10% of that cost. 
seven or eight years ago when we first started talking about Medicaid expansion, that was it was supposed to cost about a billion dollars per year. So the state would have been responsible for about a hundred million dollars of that. It has now doubled. So in the last seven years, it's doubled from a billion to over two billion dollars. The state would be then responsible for about two hundred million dollars. So we're a state that, uh, you know, we have to balance our budget every year. We do not raise taxes. We have limitations on what the General Assembly can do on on taxes. So that money is going to have to come from somewhere, our 10%. And the numbers we're talking about are today's numbers. These numbers are going to continue to go up year after year because the Medicaid budget goes up year after year. Uh, Medicaid already comprises about 40% of the state budget. We have between 900,000 and a million people on Medicaid as it stands. Uh, And this would add up to another 300,000 people to an already strained program that's taking up 40% of the entire state budget. So the, the financial side of it, you know, you hear the argument that, we're sending our money to Washington, D.C., and then they're sending it back to New York and Illinois and California. It's important people understand that our decision to expand Medicaid or not is not going to impact how much money you know, Illinois, New York, and California get. They, they will not get less money if we pass it, and they're not going to get more money if we don't. Uh, they made the decision to expand Medicaid, and they're dealing with the budget consequences of that. New York, Governor Cuomo has said, they have a massive budget shortfall, has attributed a lot of that to the cost of Medicaid expansion. In Illinois, they're paying people with IOUs instead of checks. Their credit rating is literally junk. In Missouri, we have a AAA bond rating. We're one of very few states who can say that. We balance our budget every year, and we're going to have to continue to do that one way or the other. So we'll have to take that money from somewhere, whether that be education or whether we stop funding our pension obligations or we close prisons and let violent criminals out of out of the corrections <laughs> facilities. I mean, we're going to have to do something to pay for it. Yeah, I tell you what, no matter what side you fall on in this issue, it's absolutely refreshing to hear uh, somebody in government say that it's important to balance the budget because that has just been such a ridiculous out-the-window notion in so many places across the country. So um, I definitely... I definitely can get behind that. Uh, Scott Fitzpatrick, Missouri State Treasurer, we're almost out of time. If people want to learn more about this issue and then obviously, of course, do what they can to stop it, uh, what is the information that they need to have? Uh, well, you can go to uh, you can go to my Facebook page. There's a, 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 a Facebook Live we did uh, uh, last night with Americans for Prosperity and check that out. Uh, there are other, if you Google Medicaid expansion or Amendment 2 in Missouri, there's links to No on 2, uh, the website for that. And I want to real quick on the, you said the compassion side. I want people to understand Medicaid is for vulnerable people, and we're doing a good job of providing coverage for those populations in the state of Missouri. Uh, and we want to be able to continue to do that. Putting 300,000 able-bodied working-age adults on this program is going to make it more difficult to fund the uh, the, the services that people that actually need them, people with disabilities uh, need. And so I think we need to preserve the program for the people who who need it most. Mr. Treasurer, thank you so much for your time today. I hope we can have you back on the show soon. Thank you, Mr. Treasurer. Yeah, you bet. That is Missouri State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick. Good stuff there from him. We need to go ahead and take our first break of the show. And when we get back, like I mentioned, we're going to talk to Dr. Randy Tobler. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And my partner Chris Arps is connected via the marvel of modern technology. As That's can... my favorite Perry Woods jam right there. Yeah, that's a good it really slow is. jam. That's it. I oh, love yeah, listen to that kick in right here. Oh, it's yeah. got that Jimi Hendrix sound to it. Yeah, he's got a lot of Jimi influence for sure. Mm. Oh, this is I Miss You. Yeah. Just want to bourbon on the rocks while you're listening to that. Yeah. Amen. Perry Woods, of course, is the soundtrack of the Weekend Report. Plays music here every week. He's a local musician, good friend of mine, good friend of the shows. And you know what I always say, Chris? Support local music. And spay and neuter your pants. No, that's not me. That's a different oh, guy. That's not my you. line is support local that was music. Bob Barker and now point. Drew Carey. That is correct. Oh, okay. My bad. Just a moment ago, they we got alike. off the phone with <laughs> Missouri State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick. He was talking about the idea of Medicaid expansion in the state of Missouri. This has been a big issue as we uh, lead up to uh, the opportunity for people to go to the ballot box and it's make Tuesday, their decision. Tuesday, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this coming Tuesday, right around the corner, um, to make the decision on whether or not this is right for the state of Missouri. And I found it interesting, and I think that Chris Arps did as well, um, all the conservative friends that we have here at the radio station, people like Mark Cox and Tim Jones, um, and obviously the treasurer, Scott Fitzpatrick, who we just talked to, are all very much against the idea of Medicaid expansion. However, another person that I know that is very conservative is our good friend, Dr. Randy Tobler, who's putting a little overtime on this Saturday, pulling a little double duty after the Randy Tobler show earlier this morning, um, is not in favor of uh, uh, of, uh, of stopping Medicaid expansion. As he's much, yes as many on concern- two. Yeah, he's yes on two. And uh, I wanted to have him on and tell us why. So, Doc, it's always great to have you on. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here uh, next to the emergency room so that I can go and get treatment after I get battered and bruised here, guys. <laughs> I know that I can. You know we're going to take it easy on you, my friend. Listen, Doc, I, my, one of my biggest issues with this issue, as many others, is simply paying for it. I, you, I can be yep. convinced on the need for Medicaid expansion either way, but I have big worries about how to pay for it. So uh, the treasurer was just on. He explained why he thinks it's bad for Missouri. Uh, start wherever you want, um, but uh, give us your give us your take on on the idea of Medicaid expansion. Yeah, well, look, there, look, first of all, I think everyone that knows me and knows my philosophy is that I've always been, in general, a, a proponent of private rather than, than government-run welfare mm-hmm. uh, in all arenas, okay? So that said, um, 
we just are going through a period when I think there's probably the majority of our listeners that either personally have or know someone who have benefited from government welfare. So let's admit that it's here to stay, and we're going to, we've agreed as a society to support those who are disadvantaged and have a difficult time supporting themselves. I also am on record as saying I think the, the Missouri legislature did a terrible job of addressing the opportunity to have waiver-based Medicaid expansion and doing some very creative things like other successful states have done um, uh, or not take it at all and doing things like Wisconsin did. And so, I, you know, I want to make it clear that this is not my best choice. But as Ronald Reagan said, if you can get 80 percent of what you of what you really, really want, maybe that's not such a bad deal. Mm. So um, I, this it, this would not be my preferred way to provide care for the poor in Missouri. But given the intransigence of our legislature, who's buried their head in the sand in terms of taking care of both the hospitals, especially in outstate Missouri, one of which I run, yeah. who are threatened by their very survival, by the amount of uncompensated care because of the low bar, the high bar for getting Medicaid. Um, uh, and, you know, just in general principles, being able to support it um, and keep hospitals open in outstate Missouri. Um, it, that's, that's why I'm for this particular initiative. Uh, Timothy McBride, a, a, a great public health uh, researcher from, Tim, from uh, Washington University, did some great work on, on the economics of this. And, and unfortunately, we have to get into the weeds a little bit about it, because what, what it amounts to is if you just take a raw analysis of, yes, expanding to X number of people that are going to be put on the rolls, the, propon- the opponents say that it's going to be, what, 500 and uh, almost 600,000 people. I think the more valid research is probably closer to 250,000 people. So that's an inflated number. It's wildly inflated. We only have um, some 450,000 non-elderly Missourians under the 138% expansion level of federal poverty level. So I don't know how they're coming up with the 600,000 number that then they use as one of the wedges to say, well, look at what this is going to cost. So that's an inflated number. Um, further, people don't always opt in for Medicaid when they should, and so we know that uh, not all of the eligible people w- we w- will that can. Thirdly, um, there are things like provider taxes that the hospitals pay. When we take care of Medicare pa- Medicaid patients, we then pay a voluntary tax that then is used to then tell the federal government, hey, look at the money that we in Missouri are contributing to our Medicaid patient population, and you need to match it. Currently, that matches is 6535. Under expansion, it goes to 9010. Now, a little detour here. I, there are people that say, well, that's only going to be for, you know, what, how long is that going to last? Pretty soon it's going to be, you know, 6040 again, and then look at the ballooning. Well, that's speculation, and I think it's unfair to judge what may happen in terms of what will happen. And I think we should really look at what the, or what is now and what is the reality. It's a 90-10 split. So by these tax revenues, we're going to, for the same Medicaid patient now that we, through our taxes, uh, self-imposed Medicaid taxes at the hospital level, get 65% of the federal portion of that. On the newly enrolled expansion population, those taxes are going to generate a 90%, 10% split federal state. So you're going to see more revenues come in that way. There's about 250,000 um, people, I'm sorry, about 150,000 people on Medicaid disability coverage. Okay, Tony? Mm-hmm. Now, it's, we think that roughly half of those people are on big air finger quotes here, disability coverage, um, 
for because they're just seeking health care and they don't really even qualify for Medicare uh, disability. Okay, and and so those people are going to be eligible under the 90-10 split. And so rather than the 35-65 split, where we have to pay 35% of Medicaid, those people will be now under the new expansion, they'll be eligible under that, and they'll be now getting, we'll be getting 90% for those people. So that's 25% savings for the people we're now paying 35% on. Similarly, the state currently pays about 100% of our, out of, of, from our general revenue for um, many adults who need mental health care today. Those people are going to be now covered under Medicaid expansion, and instead of the state paying 100 percent, they're going to be getting they we're going to be paying only only 10 percent. So we're offloading expenses onto the 90 percent you know uh, shelf that the federal government will be paying. So there really is a lot of savings to be had. Now, if we look at the revenue side, the direct revenues that happen, because we will be supporting hospitals in throughout outstate Missouri, I really am not talking too much about St. Louis, Columbia, Kansas City, but there's an awful lot of hospital work and medical care that goes on, and that will that activity will increase in outstate America, uh, outstate Missouri. That'll increase income taxes to the state revenues. That'll inc- increase state sales tax. It's estimated by this academic study out of Washington University. Yeah, I'm a little biased. That's where I went to school. But I've met with Dr. McBride. I know Dr. McBride. These are honest, best estimates, which are not politically flavored. He's not a partisan. We're looking at about um, probably 16,000, maybe a little more, a little less, new jobs created annually. Well, how does that, and those are, and, and the vast majority of those jobs, about 90% of those jobs will probably be $15 an hour jobs or better. Some, many in healthcare, but probably 80% of which are in retail as a spinoff from the economic um, activity that results from this. Mm. So you're looking at currently a situation, Tony, where we send $2 billion to the federal government, and then that, for healthcare purposes in terms of Medicaid expansion, is going to California, New York, Illinois. And it's estimated that probably we'll have about $2.5 billion increase in economic input or output, like GDP. We'll have about a 1.1 billion or 500 per household increase in personal income, and because of these other very in the weedsy things, I agree. But if you sit down and look at them, and if you look at the report, the very report that I got a postcard in the mail that people are harpooning, but you look at the details of it, they make very conservative estimates in terms of the savings that are going to come by offloading current 35% uh, Missouri pay patients onto 10% onto the government and on the federal government and therefore Missourians only paying 10%. It sounds like a pretty good deal from where I come from. And so the analysis comes out that it could, depending, there's a wide variance here and it could be as little as, you know, no savings or even a little more expenditure to cover a lot more people. Or it could be that actually there's some money coming in and some States, depending on how it's synchronized and managed, Tony, and that's the important part, how is this going to be constructed, how it's going to be managed, this could actually be a break-even thing, or at very, at very worst, cost us a little bit. And you know what? I'm willing to do that because I think I have, in my position at a rural hospital, um, struggling to stay alive, and 15 hospitals in outstate Missouri have gone belly under since 2014 because federal payment is not enough. People that are insured, it's not like we get a lot of Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare. So I am biased there, and I have a duty as an officer of a, you know, of a, of a, of a what amounts to a safety net hospital to look out for those folks. But I want to make sure that my friends that 
you know, are in um, more prosperous areas aren't getting hurt either. And I truly believe it's not really asking a lot because it's a very, very low risk that this is going to trash the budget. If the legislators and the bureaucrats do the right thing, that's contingent on that. So, and I believe they're capable of doing doc, it. Doc, we're talking uh, to so Dr. That's where I stand. Yeah, we're talking to Dr. Randy Tolver. Great information there, Doc. We only have a couple minutes left, and I know my partner has questions. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Yes, Dr. Tolver. Opponents of Medicaid expansion, including uh, the treasurer, said that uh, basically this is the hospitals association's attempt to get their uh, place at the the government trough. One and answer at this. The second question was he also said that Medicaid expansion was uh, in Obamacare and that uh, the the uh, state government would have to be paying 10 percent of the cost of that, which is going to either have to you're going to have to have to cut services or raise taxes to pay for that 10 percent uh, that that the state will be paying for the added cost of putting people on Medicaid expansion. Can you address those two yeah, issues? Well, well, I guess I would ask with all due respect to the treasurer, those are just flat out misrepresentations. Hmm. We are eating for, for currently we are if 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 the treasurer and other people who think that eating out of the government trough is bad, it's worse than that. We're paying into the federal government trough and not getting that back to support Medicaid at the current level, at the better levels it could be for the various groups of patients that I just mentioned. Okay, so Mm -hmm. there are savings to be had. Currently, Missourians are paying up to 100 percent, depending on which population you're talking about, mental health patients, um, people that are on Medicaid disability that will become available for the um, and we're paying 35 percent for those people. Well, we'll be paying 10% for each of those populations under Medicaid expansion. That's money that's freed up that previously was being – it's actually opposite of what Schmidt says. It, it, we're, the, there's money that's going to be freed up on, pay, on populations that we're now paying inordinates amount for, up to 100% for mental health coverage. Doc, uh, now we're almost out of time. percent by the feds. We're almost out so of time, I would Doc. Argue that, uh, that'll, that'll free money up for education, not yeah. take it from education. This is from a guy – who's been on school boards, whose dad taught at Lindbergh for 40 years, who went along with his wife to Lindbergh. I'm a public school advocate. That's a, that's a canard. It's a smokescreen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank Chris, you, doctor. See, Chris, we're, nobody, we were kind yeah, to way, you. Hey, one final thing. Yeah, go ahead, doc. One final statistic. Yeah, go ahead, doc. Everyone put, on, everyone put in their big hearts here and realize that <laughs> able-bodied adults in this in this state that don't have children are ineligible for Medicaid currently, totally eligible. So the working four cut out. Secondly, a family of three with two, two adults and a child can make no more than get ready for it. $4,500, 20% of the federal poverty level before. And, and after that, they become ineligible for Medicaid. I would ask anyone to think if that really sounds morally acceptable, $4,500 annually is the threshold for a, a family of three. Doc, great information. Twenty-eight thousand under expansion. Doc, great info as always. Thanks for your time today. We'll talk to you again real soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Doc. Take care. You bet. All right. That is Dr. Randy Tobler. Before that, we heard from Missouri State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick on both sides of these issues. We'll get a chance. I wasn't hard on him, Tony. Was I? No. 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 Okay. Not not at all. Wait till the next segment. We're going to take a break. (laughs) And we're going to digest some of this, and I want to get Chris's thoughts and give my thoughts on it as well. And we've got a lot more stories to delve into as we finish up our one of the weekend report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo, Carl Middleman, and Chris Harps all here with you. Chris, nobody can accuse us of not giving both sides of that issue all the time they needed. Yeah, those guys, uh, (laughs) they gave a full-throated defense of their positions. Absolutely. Did you walk away with any different perspective, or Uh, or is your mind unchanged? (laughs) No. Yes. Not at all. So I'm still against the uh, idea, yeah. Expansion of Medicaid and uh, my, my mind has changed. Points though. No. <laughs> my biggest issue, as I as I mentioned to Doc, is paying for it, and he seems to think that paying for it's not an issue. The treasurer, he says we're already paying for it, is saying that it's a that it's an issue. Um, and it was interesting to hear them both say, like um, uh, the treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick said, "We cover the people that need it in Missouri have it." And we'll and we're always going to make sure that they do. And Doc was acting like and you know that he that that's not the case that the that there, it's a it's a difficult thing to get and the people that need it don't always get it. So I kind of am with Doc on that side of things, but I'm definitely with the treasurer on paying for it. Go ahead. Look, Tony, I'm always suspect on government and think tank university projections because time and time and time again, they are never correct and they are always incorrect on the side of being grossly underestimated or uh, undercounted. Amen to that. Um, If you want to go back and get the information about the issue of Medicaid expansion in the state of Missouri – just go back and listen to the first two segments of this show. You can rewind live radio if you're listening to the uh, Radio.com app. You can also, of course, download our podcast each and every week uh, on the Radio.com app, as well as just about anywhere that you get podcasts. Or you could rewind all the way back to 6 o'clock this morning and hear and Randy's, hear Randy's show. show and hear him <laughs> yeah. talking about it there as well. So go back and check it out. You'll get all the information from both sides, and you can make your decision on where you stand, and then you can go vote on Tuesday um, on Medicaid expansion in the state of Missouri. I do want to move on. There was a lot of other things, obviously, that happened this week, Chris. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts. We don't have to get into this too much, but um, the death of John Lewis, Representative John Lewis, and also the death of Herman Cain, two African-Americans that had a lot of influence on the political scene here in the United States. Obviously, John Lewis has an incredibly long history um, in the United States government. What are your what were your uh, what were your thoughts on the passing of these two gentlemen this week? Well, one, I want to start with Herman Cain. I was able to have a semi kind of relationship with Herman Cain. Mm-hmm. I did a fundraiser for Erica Harold, former Fifth America that was from Illinois. Her district was right is right across the river. If she would have won, 
we threw a fundraiser for her, and Harold Kane, or Herman Kane was the keynote speaker for that. Got a chance to have dinner with him and Miss America and just found him to be just an engaging, charismatic guy, the same type of person that uh, that you uh, see on television. I, I first met him at a, in 2012 when he was running for office. Uh, a friend of mine threw a rally in a cornfield in Jefferson City, Missouri, Holt Summit to be exact, and got a chance to, to meet him there. And, and finally, I just saw him back in March at the White House for the Black History yeah. Month yeah. Uh, celebration. He looked healthy. It looked good. And so this is a real shock, and it's a real sadness on everyone's heart who knew Mr. Kane personally or just knew of his great personality. Mm-hmm. When it came to John Lewis, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. A lot of Barack Obama wouldn't have become president if it wasn't for the sacrifices he made. And a lot of his contemporaries made in the 60s for African-Americans to be able to vote and be able to have full citizenship. But I have to say that I'm disappointed in his post-civil rights career. I feel that him and his peers didn't take full advantage of the opportunities that they created uh, for themselves and for African-Americans through their struggles. And I think instead of progressing forward and taking advantage of those opportunities, we lapsed into victimhood and victimization. And it's not even an argument that 50 years after LBJ's Great Society program, African-Americans have gone backwards in a lot of demographics, uh, economically and culturally and and uh, through society. So I'm disappointed in that aspect, but I always revere um, his sacrifice from when he was a young man. Very good. Um, another piece of news that broke late in the week was the announcement from attorney, uh, prosecuting attorney, St. Louis County prosecuting attorney Wesley Bell, uh, met with the family of Michael Brown and he told them that he is not going to be charging Darren Wilson in connection with the killing of Michael Brown. Uh, Wesley Bell said, by Missouri's legal standards, not only would I have to prove his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, but I also would have to disprove a self-defense argument beyond a reasonable doubt. I can't ethically charge him. It would violate the ethical standards of my profession. What did you think about the prosecuting attorney's announcement? Uh, what was your reaction when you read the news? Well, two things. One, every the very, very few interviews that Wesley Bell did, and we were fortunate to have him yes, on the weekend we report when he was first elected, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do a lot of interviews. But the few that he has done, he always denied that he was doing a Michael Brown reinvestigation. And then, you know, into his term, we find out that he's been doing a, a five-month investigation. Yeah. Internal but we investigation. all knew that mm-hmm. Daryl Wilson wasn't going to be charged. I mean, the grand jury said that there wasn't enough evidence to charge Darren Wilson. The Obama Justice Department said that there was not an evidence to charge Darren Wilson. So what could possibly reopening that case would have found out? He said this was think, not I, I vindication. Well, I, I Go think ahead. he did this because he's like like is Kim Gardner, a George Soros funded uh, progressive <laughs> prosecutor. And this is to keep a campaign promise uh, to those donors and to people that wanted to see that uh, case reopened. He said that Wesley Bell said this was not vindication of people like Darren Wilson or the Ferguson Police Department or maybe even our friend, uh, the former mayor, James Knowles. Uh, do you think that that this, in fact, is indeed vindication? Look, I'm saddened by the death 
of Michael Brown of course. for the fact that here's a of young course. man who, you know, didn't get to live his life. Yes. Here's a young man who has left his parents behind and, and they're saddened by his death. But the fact that you can cuss out a police officer, try to reach into his car, take his gun, chat, try to attack him when you are 100 pounds heavier than it is and you get shot and killed and you end up being the victim is just bizarre world to me. We are going to, a little bit later on in the second hour of today's show, got a packed second hour coming up. Skip Weber is yep. going to be joining us. We're going to play a little uh, Weird News Challenge. And we're also going to talk to former St. Louis Cardinal Dimitri Young and a friend of ours, Dennis Farrell. Dennis has been on the show before. It's been a while. You may remember Dennis from either this show or the Dave Glover show. He's a fantasy football expert. He's been doing sports podcasts for a long time. And Dennis and Dimitri have now partnered up. And they are uh, doing a, uh, a a sports slash professional wrestling podcast of all things. What? <laughs> Dimitri's going to come on and you talk. You love a little... this, then I don't do. You? Dimitri's going to come on and talk a little baseball with us. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left here, Chris. So real quick, um, just to kind of preview that discussion. More and more games in now here, even St. Louis Cardinal games are getting postponed due to coronavirus. Um, do you think that Major League Baseball season's in, in big-time jeopardy and maybe trying to start this thing up and do it the way that they are is not going to end up working out? Look, baseball, <laughs> Major League Baseball is in big trouble, and I predict the season will be canceled within a week to 10 days. Wow. Our buddy Mark Reardon had a great tweet on KMOX. He said, uh, well— that was a great week of baseball season. <laughs> I know. You know, it was funny. Even Frank Cusimano, who's been, you know, really looking forward to and promoting baseball, he's always said that he, when we would ask him about, you know, after all these delays were happening, you know, is there going to be baseball, Frank? Is there going to be baseball? He would always say, I am certain that the baseball season is going to start. <laughs> yeah. But he never said that he was certain that it was going to finish. One and of that our... may be exactly what comes uh, you, to fruition. You know what I, what real, I don't Real quick, Chris, we're almost out of time. Go ahead. And I'm not a medical doctor, but if these guys are testing for COVID and they're not showing any symptoms and they're feeling fine, but they're all in a bubble. They're not in a bubble. They're that's not in a bubble. bubble. The baseball, baseball players are in a bubble. Yeah. They're that's, traveling. <laughs> that's part of the well, problem. Like, even if you have asymptomatic, yeah. why are it playing? You yeah, know, that's part of the problem. Is they're not like in a Survivor, bubble. the yeah. last team that doesn't have anybody, yeah. they win Basketball the World Series. Basketball players are in a bubble, and I think hockey, hockey players are in too, a bubble. but baseball's not. All right, we need to take a break. We'll uh, talk more about this and get into some more of the issues of the day when we start off the second hour of the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Don't go anywhere. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. 
fact, it's hour number two of the Weekend Report on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed any of that first hour where we talked to Dr. Randy Tobler and Missouri State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick and got into some of the headlines of the week, we talked to the doc and the treasurer about uh, the, the issue of Medicaid expansion in Missouri, and both made long informational <laughs> Like really got it like weeds. We, we gave them their time to make their case. So if you are wanting to get up to speed on both sides of the Medicaid expansion issue, go back and check out those interviews. You can do so by downloading our podcast, which you can get just about anywhere you get podcasts. But I recommend the radio.com app because with the radio.com app, not only can you download the podcast of this and every other show on the station, you can stream the station 24-7 and you can simply rewind live radio right there what? on the radio.com app. I know it's crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. So go back and check that out. We had a great first hour and we've got a great second hour on tap for you a little bit later. Later on, we are going to talk to former St. Louis Cardinal Dimitri Young. Um, there's a lot going on in Major League Baseball right now. We kind of touched on it a little bit at the end of that last hour. Um, we're going to talk to Dimitri about that. He's got a new podcast out with our old friend Dennis Farrell, so we're going to talk about uh, that podcast and get his thoughts on Major League Baseball. We're also going to play a new edition of the Weird News Challenge with our buddy Skip Weber here in just a few minutes. But let's start this second hour with a little bit more week in review and look back at some of the big issues of the week. Uh, Chris, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this, so... Um, Last week, as you know, because you helped me out tremendously, I was I hosted the Dave Glover show. Um, not this past week, but the week before, when Dave was out on vacation, and you joined me for a couple of those shows. But uh, during that week, I had Bob Beckel on, as we've had many times on this show, and we were talking about the idea of the vice president uh, pick for Joe Biden. Joe Biden announced this week that he is going to make that pick probably next week, the first week of August. So that is going to finally be happening. We've talked a lot about this, not just us, everybody in the media has talked a whole lot about the idea of the vice presidential pick. Something that Bob Beckel said to me that I thought was shocking, and I want to get your thoughts on it, is he mentioned, when I asked him, you know, who would be the best picks, who's the right who's the right person for that job, in, in his opinion, being, you know, such a staunch Democrat and had been a big part of that party for such a long time. And he said Michelle Obama. And I said, well, duh. Michelle Obama would be a game changer because, you know, uh, for so many obvious reasons. And I said, but, Bob, I don't think that she would be interested. And Bob Beckel said she would absolutely be interested. She'd do it in a heartbeat and she'd be a game changer. I, Bob knows, and you do too, a lot more about politics and the inner workings of campaigns and politicians than I do. I was shocked to hear him say that he thinks that Michelle Obama is not only a viable vice president candidate, but would actually be interested in doing it. What do you think of that statement? Bob has said that BS on our show. And I said <laughs> then that Michelle Obama hated her eight years in the White House. She hated that bubble. And the last thing that she wants is public scrutiny and being back underneath that fishbowl. So I, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think the most interesting thing that come, that came out about Joe Biden's pick is Clyburn, the House Majority Whip, he said right after Biden won um, uh, South Carolina that it wasn't necessary that he pick a African-American female for his running mate. 
That is a big deal. Mm. He also said that this week that Biden doesn't necessarily have to choose a black female. So I think because he's respected in the black community, he's signaling that Biden will not pick a black female. And I'm still going to go with who I've been saying for months. Elizabeth Warren is going to be Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. Uh, you've you've never backed off of your pick. I've also never backed off of mine. I haven't talked as much about it here on it this is show because I don't remember. Yeah, I, well, I haven't really talked about it as much <laughs> on this show, but I've said it on the DGS for months. Val Demings has always been the person that I think is going to end up with it. However, I will say she this: has BL, she has BLM problems. So I have. I know she's going to get a sheriff. You don't think. You don't no. think Elizabeth Warren has BLM problems? BLM no, who said no. that that BLM who said that Joe Biden owes it to the black people, owes it to to the black voters that he pick a woman of color. You don't think that Elizabeth Warren has problems with that group Tony, as well? They, because they'll take they'll take they'll take the chance. That I I know because, what you're saying because they hate Trump so much, they will forgive Biden because they've got to get Trump out of there. BLM. And the millennial black generation will not support a black sheriff for vice president. Well, they I will revolt. Yep. No, I understand that, and and I made that pick before they made the before the uh, BLM leaders came out so strongly against Val Deming, saying that she's it didn't not... matter. It didn't matter before that, even if they wouldn't have came. Well, out, I know, but, but they would have. They're not going to accept a a a police officer. Especially I understand. A black police officers, Joe Biden's uh, VP. I understand running. that. I understand. I've said that over and over. I understand <laughs> that that's what they think. And we heard girls uh, are both pretty. We heard them say that uh, once you're a police officer, you're no longer black. You become blue. I think obviously that's a ridiculous statement. But I was going to say <laughs> that I also think um, I, I, as I am sticking with Val Demings because I've. I picked her from the very beginning. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Change my mind. But mm-hmm. I have a. a, a my close, close second pick is Susan Rice. Again, back to that. She's been in the news recently. Back to that uh, Obama connection. He has, I mean, he's always tried to endear himself to Barack Obama and the Obama voters and all that. But here it's been an overdrive these last couple weeks. So a Susan Rice selection wouldn't surprise me as well. Hopefully by the time you and I are back here on the week, uh, on the weekend report one week from now, we will know uh, the, the, selection and we will be able to talk about it um let's see so many stories so little time um how about this one um the durham report that was a a big part of william barr's hearing uh on capitol hill this week which i I don't even want to talk about that hearing it was such a it's such an embarrassing joke the way that uh the politicians of this country run this country. Um, however, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Durham report. There's this big controversy that William Barr should not release the Durham report to the public before an election. I don't understand that whatsoever. I don't understand it from I don't understand from either side. I, I don't understand. I mean, I understand why the, the Democrats think it's going to be it's going to hurt their case. And that's why they don't want it. And I know that if it was the other way around, Republicans would be playing that same card. But as an American voter, I don't know why you would ever take sides on something like this. Don't you always want to know? I don't want the government hiding information until (laughs) after an election. I want to know the information as soon as it's released. I don't understand. I know why the politicians think this is something to argue argue about. I don't understand why voters think it's something to argue about. Don't you always want that information? Well, the other side of the question is, 
you can never really prove any of these allegations before a, a an election occurs. And the F, local FBI offices and the Justice, Justice Department, they have like a written uh, rule that they will not disclose investigations a certain amount of time before an election because they just don't want to look like they are well, I don't like uh, it. putting their I think that's putting stupid. their uh, <laughs> putting their finger on the scale in any way. Well, I think that's stupid. <laughs> that's been a long that's been a serious that's been a long term policy. Well, I, I of them doing that. That's fine, but I don't agree with it. Do you agree with it? Would, don't you think it's better to be informed no matter what side the information helps? I don't you think so what if so what if more you, transparency what if you, what, is what, better? What if you're an elected elected official or you're running for an office and these FBI allegations come out against you mm-hmm. and you end up losing your race and then after the race the FBI exonerates you and said, "Oh, we don't have enough proof to charge you." But this isn't the first piece well, I'm of just information. Saying, but you have to, that's I mean that's that's but that's, a reason, diff- but that's a different. But that's a different story. Wanna, you don't want to taint anybody. But that's a different situation. If you can't prove, if you can't prove their guilt before the election. But what you just it, with that illustration though is 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 not an apples to apples comparison because this we're talking about a issue that has been well publicized and information has been put out by all sides and all report different reports and. You know, tons of information has already come out on this, and we're more at the end of this instead of an initial report that hasn't had a chance to be um, vetted or rebuked or anything like that. (laughs) So for this, I just don't get it. I think as American voters, it's always better to have the information than have it hidden from us. Even Even if it proves to be false later. No, n- of course not. But I, I just said this is not that case. This is not a case it of is that case. where it can. This this issue has been fully explained by each side. Doesn't mean it's, it's been, been proven fully, in a court of law. Tony. It's been fully addressed by both sides. Both sides have had their chance to make. Their has there cases. been a court of law? Has anyone been charged? Has anyone gone? No, to but jail? nobody's going to be. Well, but they haven't. And in this country, there's a rule of law thing where you're innocent until proven guilty. Transparency is always the best. Okay. You got anything? Even, uh, if, even if it's wrong later. Before we wrap up, before we wrap up, there are a lot this, of innocent men on death row. Chris. Before we wrap up this segment and we get into a little weird news challenge with our buddy Skip Weber, uh, anything new with uh, RedState.com or the new podcast that people uh, need to know about? What's going on with you, Chris? Well, I'm telling you, Tony, we've got a, there's another show. I've been really busy. Uh, it's called Red and Black Show. Uh, there are four contributors to uh, RedState.com, and uh, we do kind of an hour-long uh, kind of show where we talk about the issues from a black conservative perspective. Uh, that show airs at 9 a.m. on uh, MOU-TV, which will be uh, debuting uh, this weekend. Great stuff. And if people want to hear the podcast, where can they find it? It is at watercoolerpolitics.com. And of course, Chris writes also for redstate.com. You can check out his yeah. articles. But my there. big gig, though, is uh, as co host of the Weekend Report. That's is that my, it? That's right. Yeah, that's my big gig. That's right. We don't have to promote that because they're listening right now. <laughs> right, right, right. I just want them <laughs> to know how honored I am. Well, to, thank you. Thank to, you very uh, much. You're going to be honored to take on Skip Weber. In a brand new edition of the Weird News Challenge, along with producer Carl Middleman, he's playing today as well. <laughs> and hiding from me. That is coming up next. We're also going to talk to former St. Louis Cardinal 
Dimitri Young about the baseball season here in a little bit. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more weekend report to go on 97.1 FM Talk. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. guitar right now and there it is welcome back to the weekend report 97.1 fm talk tony colombo and carl middleman in studio chris arps is at the arps compound practicing proper social distancing and joining us on the phone now is our buddy skip weber from weber chevrolet how's it going skip i'm very depressed oh no because you're not here Yes, I know. This was supposed to be the big triumphant return to the studio. It was, it was, and then everything all just falls apart. And then everything—it's exactly it's a good way to put it. Everything hey. all falls apart. So, hey, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Hey, Al, saying, hey, Skip. There's rumors going around, started by me, that you've been <laughs> ducking me these last few weeks. Ooh. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I found a found a funeral to attend in order to not face you in this, in this uh, game. <laughs> well, I knew it was that serious. So when I was filling in a couple weeks ago for the Dave Glover for Dave Glover on the Dave Glover show, uh, we play a game on that on that show every week called the National Day Challenge, very similar to the Weird News Challenge, and Chris played with us a couple weeks ago and liked it and said, we should do that one time for the Weird News Challenge. So that's what we're doing oh, this week. Oh, well then. This is a special edition of the Weird News Challenge. It is going to be very similar to the National Day Challenge that we play on the Dave Glover Show every Friday. And so this week's questions are all based on national days that happened this week. And you would be surprised. It's amazing. Every single day of the year is like six or seven national day of whatever. So I looked right. at the national, like, like yeah. national peanut butter day or exactly. Like that. That's exactly right, yeah. it, and it gets even weirder. Like it's there's just so many like national paper airplane day. I mean like Ooh. it's all over the map. So I looked at this week's national days. I put together six questions. It's this is this is an official weird news challenge. So we got the questions. A few of them are multiple point questions. We got the tiebreaker and the QMD at the end. So um, it's just a special edition of the Weird News Challenge where we're going to use the National Day calendar as this week's um, as this week's theme. So before we get started, test your buzzers. Chris Arps, <laughs> Carl Middleman, Carl, and Skip Weber. Ding, 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 ding. All right, <laughs> Skip is he's he's definitely uh, at a disadvantage. Um, on He's the phone, a little delayed like there. Yeah. I hope he does better than that in the game. All right, here no, we go. You don't. <laughs> this is episode you guys, eighty. Go ahead. You guys full, fully well know that I've already been screwed out of at least one victory. <laughs> that may or Join may not club. be true. All right, here we go. Weird news challenge. We can report weird news challenge episode eighty-seven. Question number one. Monday was National Scotch Day. What is the top-selling Scotch brand in the United Carl. States, Carl? Jameson. 
In, that is incorrect. Chris. Chris. Johnny Walker. That is correct. Ooh. Johnny Walker is the correct answer. I, I'm not. I'm not going to be mad at the fact that I beeped in faster than Chris because I would have gotten <laughs> it wrong. <laughs> what were you? What were you going to say, Skip? So therefore, I was going to say Crown Royal. Gotcha. Mm. Gotcha. Johnny Walker is number one Johnny in the Walker. United States. Uh, question number two. Monday was also. National New Jersey Day. Ew. What is the capital of New Jersey? Carl, you are at a disadvantage. No, no, it no. Is... I was way no. faster than Carl. I don't think you heard him. He uh... was way ahead of you. I heard him say it when I was on my third ding that I was saying. <laughs> I heard him say Carl. If you do the rewind, yeah, you'll find Carl out it was me. I think it's Carl was Trenton. In. No, that is because, correct. Because Trenton. my delay is coming through. I was saying it, and as I was saying it, I heard you in the middle of me. This is so <laughs> bogus. I'm coming. I agree. I agree, Skip. It's horrible. It's Carl is, horrible. Carl is correct. Carl. Carl is correct. The answer was Trenton. Question number three. Bunch of points on the line here. Bunch of points on the line. Uh, Tuesday. Was National Milk Chocolate Day mm. for one point each? What are the top five selling chocolate? Ding, 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 ding. Skip. Skip. Hershey's. Hershey's is number one. Nestle's. No. Oh. So they didn't get the whole question. You didn't out. get the whole question. Didn't get the whole question out. That's why. Oh. What are the top five selling? I have to dig in. I have I to understand. Deep in. I know. Five <laughs> minutes before everybody hey, else. You still got a. You're you right. still got a point. You still got a point. Question. We're all tied now. Here's the rest of the question. For one point each, what are the top five selling chocolate bars in the United States? Uh, Hershey's is number one. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, uh three Musketeers. No. Carl, what? there's four on the board. Okay. Uh, but see, chocolate. I. Just, Snickers? Snickers is on the board. Yes, that's a point. Uh, Kit Kat? Yes, that's on the board. That is a point. I can name another one, too. Um, Nessie Crunch? No. No. Reese's Peanut Butter that's Cups. Reese's oh, Peanut Butter right. Cups and Twix were the last Twix. two. Milky Way wasn't on there? No, I mean, they were like in the top ten, but not in the top five. Oh, okay. Same thing with Three attention. Musketeers. <laughs> All right, here we go. Question number four. Weird News Challenge National Day Calendar is the theme of this week's game. Wednesday hmm. was National Lasagna Day. Ooh. What famous comic strip Carl. cat? Carl. Garfield. That is correct. Garfield. Mm. What famous comic strip cat? I think Skip hung up. Loves lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> Skip hung up yep. in protest. Hey, there's always the QMD. Oh. There's always the QMD. <laughs> All right. I'm, that's what I'm banking on because I have no chance of beeping first. <laughs> that's that's how you beat me last time I played this. <laughs> Question number five. Wednesday was also National Chicken Wing Day. Oh, I know. What city is credited with the invention? <laughs> Skip Weber. Oh, shockingly, even though I heard tomorrow, <laughs> at the same time, I'm going to say Buffalo, New York. That is correct. That is and correct. Actually, it was me first. Yeah, it, Chris, it was. It was I actually Chris, Chris first. I knew Chris was. I think it was and a, we all were going to say Buffalo. It was so a three-way tie, and I had to give it to Skip because of the delay. <laughs> Question number six: Two points on the line here, mm -hmm. so Skip can actually tie Carl and force mm -hmm. a tiebreaker. So can I, can I? No, no, you only have one point, but you can play spoiler. For one point each, what are the two common types of chicken wings? Carl. Carl, by far, 
I'm not oh gonna... my goodness! Again, I heard him say it when I was well into my advance. No, no, that wasn't even close. <laughs> it may not be on your side, but I could. But hear you know what? Him but the, the, okay. the way the question is, I could get this totally wrong. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to say drummies and flats. That's exactly right. Okay. Drummies well, and then, flats wow. are the exact because right it, answer. Because I was, because you know, it could be teriyaki right. wings or buffalo wings, but. Uh, I love drummies. I, you pay an extra dollar if you get all drummies. All right, here we go. We don't need the tiebreaker. Passionate the, the, about drummies. I you, love everybody? the drummies. The tiebreaker would have been had we have needed it. Uh, sticking with chicken wings. How many chicken wings did Americans eat on the last Super Bowl Sunday, which was oh. just this past uh, February? It's one point four billion. That would have. That was damn. The, so QMB. This is. Your I thought you were going to say how many chicken wings does the chicken have. <laughs> this is your chance to stop to take this uh steal the game from carl uh and this is this is one of those that uh it, it, it's just a guess so anybody could get it uh going back to new jersey for this one yeah. and talking about the jersey shore the re, the reality television show the jersey oh, wow. shore within two <laughs> how many episodes of the jersey shore were aired wow how many episodes of the Jersey Shore Not, I got were aired? No idea. Not the spin-offs, <laughs> but the actual. <laughs> it's supposed to be a hard question. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, two hundred and fifty. That is incorrect. Not the spin-offs, but the actual, the Jersey, actual Jersey, Jersey Shore, Shore Maine. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say eighty-eight. That is incorrect. Skip. And skip. I, let's see. Okay. He didn't um, say you, high or low. Skip, if you get this run right, it will be the most <laughs> earth-shattering victory in the history of the game. Yes. How many seasons were there? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you that. I cannot tell you that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, you're breaking up. <laughs> you're, oh, you're breaking no. up. I'm going to say uh, 54. No, 71. Oh, 71 ah, I episodes. Close. I was close, too. Skip, you're uh, you're breaking up pretty bad. Before we lose you, what's <laughs> happening at Weber Chevrolet? Well, today is the first day of August. Happy August, mm -hmm. rabbit, rabbit. We don't we don't really have our marching orders yet from Chevrolet, so I can't say much about it. But we had it's going to be great. They've been they've kept everything continuous as far as great um, incentives ever since the COVID happened. And uh, uh, so we just had an enormous month in July, following a great month in June. So I'm very, very proud of my people because we got the prices down there low. We ran very, very low of cars at the end of June, June beginning of July. We've continually gotten some uh, uh, production in. They're, you know, they're building stuff. So there's plenty of good selection. Still great 2020 uh, inventory to choose from. Because usually this time of year you're running low on the model year, but they had that big delay in the production, so that we don't we're not low. So it's really kind of a weird time, but a very good time. Very very good pricing. I think you'll be really happy. Just check mm -hmm. us out online. I know our prices are resonating. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having these big months. And once again, I have to say a big thank you to the body shop there and the service department at Weber Chevrolet. I, I was at, I was at Columbia Service on mm -hmm. Monday. I Got always, my oil change. always harp on how great uh, the the people there. Uh, I was at Creve Core as usual, and um, you know I had that car accident a few weeks ago, and I finally got my truck back, and it's in great shape, and. 
just everybody there at Weber took uh, great care of us, as they always do. So i got to say thank you for that, Skip. And uh, tonight, the Saturday evening rock show, the number one music show on a talk station in the world. You can keep up with everything happening with the Saturday evening rock show on the Saturday evening rock show Facebook page. And, of course, that's 9 to 11 tonight on 97.1 FM Talk. Give and them a hint, Skip. We'll be, yeah, give us your hint, and, and we'll be listening. It. I'm not giving any hints. Oh, I like it. No Good hints. for you. Good. You got to you got to listen to the first two songs. It's like a very it. gettable theme. Yeah, good but there stuff. is two themes. Uh-oh. There are two themes. Oh, cool! All very right, very well, closely related. Theme hour one is one theme. Hour two is the other theme. Very very closely related, but no hints uh, before the show. Good stuff. We'll be listening tonight, Skip. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Thank you. You bet. Bye, Thanks, Skip. Skip. All right, we need to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk to Dennis Farrell and Dimitri Young, the former St. Louis Cardinals baseball player. We're going to talk about their new podcast, and we'll get uh, Dimitri's thoughts on this Major League Baseball season when we get back. Don't there's go a anywhere. season still? There's a, right now, there's a season. Oh. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. You're listening <laughs> to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Report 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. Who just before we went back on the air, said, I'm going to do something fun here. <laughs> and we usually have the Perry Woods bumper music, but since we're going to be talking to a former Major League Baseball player, we'll take me out to the ball game for you right now. Uh, my partner Chris Arps is continuing to practice proper social distancing and is connected through the marvel of modern technology. Um, at the ARPS compound there. Chris, you still uh, loud and clear with us? I am. Is Carl playing that in the studio yes, or is that a recording? Is. No, that's oh. Oh, yeah, no, Dwayne. He's, 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 <laughs> he's not playing it, and he doesn't have his instruments out or anything oh, like that. Okay. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> that's Dwayne from the Cardinals playing There you that. go. Oh, there you I go. thought you brought an organ in. You so, were playing that. I'm sorry. As I have uh, been promoting throughout the show today, joining us now is our friend Dennis Farrell, who's been on this show many times, been on the Dave Glover show many times. You may remember Dennis from his days as a fantasy football uh, sports radio host and podcaster. For years, he was the commissioner of the Dave Glover Show Fantasy Football League and was our fantasy football expert uh, for a very, very long time and has been on this show many times. And also, along with Dennis, we have former St. Louis Cardinal Dimitri Young joining us on the line. So, Dennis and Dimitri, thank you guys so much for your time today. Great to talk with both of you. How's it going? The prodigal. It's going good on my end. How you doing <laughs> yeah. out there in Detroit, there, Dennis? Yeah, how's it going in Detroit, Dennis? Doing good, doing good. First time caller, long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> Radio.com app. So I want to take advantage of uh, talking to a Major League Baseball player and get some thoughts on this wacky season that is uh, trying to unfold right now. But first. Uh, Dennis uh, is one of those uh, is one of those pod fathers. He's a he's a podcast, uh, a longtime podcast host. Has had a lot of success in that area, and I think what you guys are doing right now is is really cool. Uh, Dennis, tell folks about uh, the podcast that you and Dimitri have, and uh, what you guys do, and how people can hear it. 
first of all, it's called Wrestling with Sports, and we talk sports and wrestling. The one thing I've realized over the years of talking sports with people is a lot of these athletes, actors, comedians are also wrestling fans. So I, I started putting this together with someone else. Then Jason Kindle, who is one of the best hitting catchers in Major League Baseball, came yeah, along yeah. and started hosting. And Dimitri and I, we've he's been on many of my different podcasts throughout the years, and I kept bugging him to do a podcast. We tricked him into coming on as a guest, and he never left. <laughs> so, Dimitri, yeah, tell us about that, about uh, being a, a professional wrestling fan and meeting Dennis and how this all came about and, you know, what you like about the podcast that you guys are doing. Well, I've been a longtime wrestling fan back in the uh, rocking, rocking Hulk Hogan, rocking yeah. wrestling era, yeah. and then I started watching a lot of the wrestling on TBS, NWA, and then WCW because I was a baseball fan watching the Braves game, and it yeah. used to get interrupted. You know, yeah. because I watch wrestling, they'll get interrupted by NASCAR or the Braves game or college football. And I really love the wrestling. And when I was playing, when I was a red, when NWO was hot, you know, I would throw up the two sweet and the fans would throw up the two sweet. <laughs> That's and, great. And how the whole podcast thing with Dennis came along, it was Dennis and, and Jason Kendall, they had a wrestling show. And they just wanted me to come on and, and talk wrestling. And Dennis was like, dude, I've been asking you year after year, would you like to do something like this? And I would always put it off because I do a lot of coaching with amateur baseball. Mm-hmm. I coach at Oaks Christian High School, and I do the Breakthrough Series and the Hank Aaron Invitational. And, mm-hmm. you know what, I just need a, a different outlet, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, the pandemic kind of started all of that because I wasn't leaving the house. And, and, <laughs> right. And uh, we just started talking shop, and and we had three different personalities on the show. We have Jason. If he was on on this call with us, he would, he would take up the bulk of the conversation, interrupting and stuff. But I think that's what makes the show is, you know, we have three different kind of personalities, and we're speaking the same language. And we make it fun because we're not taking it serious or anything like that. We're not trying to let's let's try and get on major league baseball network or ESPN. Yeah. I'm just doing this because I like Dennis, I like Jason and the content that we're we're doing is just it's fun. Good stuff. Go ahead, Chris. Dimitri, how are you? Chris Arps. Uh I'm a fellow African American as like you are. And something that's really disturbed me over the years has been the decline of baseball interest within the African-American community. How do we reverse that decline? Well, uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association and USA Baseball have been active in doing that. The Breakthrough Series has been around for, I want to say, about 12 years, and I've been around doing it since 2013. And it's geared towards the black players getting them to a showcase to be seen by college recruiters and scouts so they can prolong their, their baseball career. And then the Hank Aaron Invitational started in 2015. It was called the Elite Development Invitational, and that's a two-week camp. And the first week is for incoming eighth graders and incoming freshmen, and the next week are incoming sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And all the coaches there are – 
former black players. You have Marquise Grissom there. You have um, Brian Jordan to come there and speak. Um, you had um, Kenny Hill there. You oh, have yeah. um, Patrick Mahomes' daddy. Right. Pat Mahomes mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquise Grissom, um, Lou Collier. I mean, we have a whole host of former players that give their time and effort. And it's hot as hell, too, in Vero Beach, Florida. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't be doing this phone call today if this wacky pandemic wouldn't have, you know, reared its ugly head yeah. because I would be in Vero Beach right now during the second week of the Hank Aaron invitation. Right, um, right. It's been such yeah, an interruption. And then there's numerous, you have numerous um, urban youth academies throughout the U.S. Perfect game, as Perfect Game cares, where they're going in the inner cities. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're not only just going there making an appearance, they're going there to, you know, make their presence felt, to right. be able to help the community grow and, and, and get more of the black players playing the game as opposed to, you know, I'm going to go play football or yeah. I'm going to go play ba- basketball, you know, because a lot of kids, they love baseball, but they get turned down from, you know, not being able to afford it mm. because travel ball is expensive as hell. Or number two, they'd be the token black kid on the team and they don't feel comfortable because right. the coach only puts them in the pinch run or throws them in the outfield. Mm. So That's such a great point, though, that outreach. Part. Yeah, that outreach is so important. And, and it, I love that uh, that those programs uh, uh, exist out there and that you guys are working hard and getting that stuff done. But as we pass the time through this uh, pandemic, uh, Dennis, you mentioned it just a minute ago, and, and Dimitri talked about how his, his longtime love for professional wrestling. Uh, the podcast that you guys host is called Wrestling with Sports, and I know you cover both things and, and topics in the podcast. Um, how, how much do you, have you learned that those two – like just standard sports talk, how much it complements professional wrestling. It's a lot of the same fans, a lot of the same audience that you're talking to. Am I right? So the one thing I really enjoy doing as the host is you'll get a guy on, let's say Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. We just recently have on uh, the good brothers. Uh, it's Doc I, Gallows. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's Doc. Doc. <laughs> yeah, Doc. I, I'll set it up. And then I stop talking, I sit back and listen to these guys start talking about the clubhouse versus the locker room and other boys, how to treat each other, and the crossover. And and to watch both the two sets of people kind of geek out over each other is amazing. And that's what makes the podcast special is you have baseball players who were all-stars at their best of their positions when they played. Mm -hmm. You have some of the top wrestlers in the industry who know who these guys are. And they're both turned into – all of them turned into 12-year-old kids enjoying each other's company. And for me, that's amazing. Dimitri, people that don't hey, – It's actually yeah. 13 years old because we hit puberty. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, uh, Dimitri, a lot of people that don't like professional wrestling, you know, say they don't like it because it's fake. Like, oh, it's just a, it's a fake sport. But the people that do like it, professional wrestling fans, you know, will make the argument that, yeah, it's it's a predetermined thing. But these guys are still very athletic um, uh, individuals, both the men and the women that participate in it. And it's just like watching any other scripted show. If you like watching TV shows. It's a soap opera for men. Yeah. If you like watching drama and conflict and all that, that's what professional wrestling provides. But I wanted to ask you, as a professional athlete, when you talk to um, or, or talking about professional wrestlers, being a professional athlete yourself, do you consider them 
athletes as well, professional athletes as well, or, or do you kind of put them in a different category? No, no, they're athletes, uh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because it's predetermined, they have to be in tip-top shape, one. Number two, the stuff that they're doing in the ring, they have to rely on each other. And if one person messes up, the other person can be hurt severely. Right, right, absolutely. And, and so you have a whole lot of teamwork stuff that goes on, which is parallel with what we do as baseball players. Mm-hmm. And so the stuff that they do, and you have to have some sort of athleticism to be able to do what they do in the ring. You know, mm-hmm. you can't go back to the old 80s where they, they, they look like truck drivers and stuff and <laughs> just clothesline people and that's it. I mean, we see the stuff that they're doing in the ring and it's phenomenal. I can't do any of that stuff that right. they do in the ring. Right. It, takes a lot of, it takes a lot of training. And the training that they do, it doesn't compare to baseball. Baseball is easy training compared to what they do. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That is Dimitri Young, former St. Louis Cardinal. We're also talking to Dennis Farrell. Uh, they have a podcast called Wrestling with Sports. We're talking a little bit about that. Chris Arps, go ahead. Dimitri, you know, a lot of professional athletes, especially football players, have made the transition into professional wrestling. You know, you were a pretty big guy when you were playing uh, baseball. Did you ever think about uh, putting on the tights and uh, Ooh, yeah. getting into the ring? There you go. Oh, I definitely thought about it, but like I said, I've been in the ring and <laughs> bouncing off those ring ro- ring ropes. You know, I've I've done a a, a couple of the bumps, and no, <laughs> no thank you, Dimitri. No, before... I leave that to the professionals, yeah. and I can sit back and watch wrestling on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and then pay per views on Sunday or yeah. Saturday depends on what company it is. So I enjoy watching them do what they do, just like I like watching the professional baseball players today, the current guys, do what they do. I'm not the old disgruntled guy like baseball changed or anything like that. Right. No. It's the part of the evolution of the game. You know, people are complaining about the um the runner on second base for extra innings. That's that's been going on for Half a lifetime yeah, for that, a lot of these players out right. here because they did it in Little League. Right. That rule's been around for a long time. Dimitri Young, before yeah, we run out of time, um, I did want to get your thoughts on the coronavirus and its effect on the season. Do, what do you think about this this crazy 60-game season? Is it the right thing to do? Or do you think it's going to make it? Um, what do you think about the current state of baseball? Should they have just taken this season off, or are they doing the right thing trying to get the games in? I think uh, I think they're doing the right thing by trying. Yeah. But because this thing isn't contained by any stretch, and we already have cancellations left and right, and you're thinking, like, how are they going to make up these games if they're even going to make up these games? Or what's it going to look like in the next couple of weeks? And and because of that, people are starting to, you know, reconsider what's really going on because you hear more and more about the pandemic and the lasting effects it can due to you, even if you survive the thing. So I don't think it's a hoax. So I wear Dimitri, my mask would you all the have time because I'm diabetic on top of that. So yeah. I'm I'm one of those um, high-risk people. Would yeah. you have opted out or would you would you have played if you were still playing ball? Well, it depends on the circumstance because, yeah. one, yeah. I was married with three kids. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm divorced with three kids, but I was married with three kids. And then on top of that, I didn't get diabetes till towards the end of my career. 
So if I was young and dumb, I definitely would have played. (laughs) And that's what happened. (laughs) That is uh, Demetri Young, former St. Louis Cardinal. He's got a new podcast with our buddy Dennis Farrell called Wrestling with Sports. Dennis, before we run out of time, if people want to check out the podcast, I know you have the wrestling editions and the sports editions. I highly recommend everybody check out both. Uh, how can people uh, how can people find the podcast? Just go on all any major platform you get your podcast. That's where wrestling with sports is. It's on YouTube. We're starting to do more video stuff. And you know, we're very fan interactive and fan driven. So find us on Facebook. Uh, you may be a guest on the show. You never know. We try we just had a marine drill instructor on. So we tried to not just interview athletes, not just interview wrestlers, but interview people because we just like talking. Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for your time today. It's great talking with both of you. Going to definitely be checking out the podcast going forward, and we hope to have you both back on the show sometime soon. Anytime. Thank you very much. All right. You bet. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, interesting. Great stuff there from Dennis Farrell and uh, former St. Louis Cardinal Dimitri Young. Chris, you going to check out the wrestling podcast? I will. I'll check it hey, out. All right. uh, it sounds interesting. Go. An interesting combination. Yeah, we'll definitely get uh, we'll definitely get those guys back on the show. It's good to have a connection like this with a former St. Louis Cardinal. Great insight mm-hmm. from uh, Dimitri about uh, about this crazy season that is happening <laughs> right now. Unfortunately, we are out of time. If you miss anything, download our podcast. You can get it just about anywhere, but I always recommend the Radio.com app. Absolutely free to get the Weekend Report podcast there. And uh, go back and check out the entire show. For our producer, Carl Middleman, and my partner, Chris Arps, <laughs> I am Tony Colombo. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. We'll see you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.